Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Joining me today, friend of the pod, because once you've been on one, you're now a friend. We have awesome. Kathleen Marzal, ISBN, Senior Vice President of People and Enablement Operations at SAP. Hey, Kathleen. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. So we are going to do a little bit of a follow-up on our last iteration where Kathleen talked through her journey. We're also tying in a topic to uh, previous episodes on team culture. And the topic is one that isn't necessarily agile in focus, but it is one that impacts agile teams and that's diversity and inclusion. So I'm super stoked to have this conversation with you today, Kathleen. So let's start with the easiest one. The easiest, that, that, okay. Well, <laughs> the first one's always the easiest, right? Or is it? Uh, so. Some companies refer to diversity and inclusion as just diversity and inclusion, and some include equality. How do you, or how should we address the equality part? Mm. Um, do they refer to as equality as separate from diversity and inclusion? Because I think there's three different components. You know, equality really is about uh, equal opportunities for everybody. Right and as an act against discrimination. Um, I think there's a lot of talk about equity too. And yes. doing the same thing around uh, equal opportunity for everybody, but if everybody's not at the same level, that maybe you have to do a little bit more in that sense um, to help, um, help boost up somebody to actually have an equal opportunity. Yeah, you know, and the diversity, you know, kind of, just uh, rec recognizing and respecting people's values and differences, but inclusion is really recognizing how they feel. <laughs> right. And, and um, you know, include inclusion in that in the, in the workplace as well. So I, I really see those, um, not that uh, equality is a different word for diversity and inclusion, maybe just not one that, that everybody uses. Okay, all right. So let's talk through how companies go resume neutral, right? So there are some companies who go resume neutral when they're doing a search for new colleagues and you know they'll remove the names and dates and addresses and all of that in a resume before they go into a pool that goes to hiring managers. Uh, how do you address diversity and inclusion with resume neutrality? And then as a follow-up, should you be neutral in your search? I think that there's definitely things about resume neutrality, even if it's an algorithm, even at the, you know, the sourcing or, or recruiter level mm -hmm. that can remove maybe unconscious bias, you know, pieces of it, and maybe get to focus on what are the skills that are on the resume. Um, right. I, I've only, you know, I, I um, it was interesting in having a um, son who's now, you know, five plus years into career, but in applying in a job where they, they knew that the, the machine language was searching, searching for certain keywords sure. and, and the scrub of the resume to make sure that certain words, not necessarily, you know, gender or name that would be on it, but they were going to pop up to assure that the skills were meeting, you know, what that job description is. And so, you know, I think that any actions have a reaction on 
people of how they actually build their resume. Right. One, two, a recruiter that how they may be looking at it or what is even served to them as the top of the pile to look at. And then again, to to hiring managers. I think the biggest thing is, you know, um, how do we drive up the awareness of those unconscious bias and try to work around it? (laughs) Right. And, um, and would, you know, uh, gender not being on there as one example, um, you know, help serve up somebody's resume that might be solely focused on really focusing on how they articulated the skills that, that they have coming into a, you know, and their viability of candidacy for a particular job. I think stats say more people tend to hire for the skills that you have, not the potential. Right. Right. And so I think that's another aspect in, in the serving of the resume pieces. Well, and it's one of the things I think we've, we taught, we touched on uh, with some of the ISBN leadership team recently when we were talking about team building. And it's one of those things where as a hiring manager, I would think you're trying to balance and yet level up and yet try to find the right fit. So there's a lot of juggling that goes on there. And to your point about unconscious bias, that's a thing that has to be like, as a hiring manager, you have to have that in play as well, right? Because you're trying to figure out how do you take these N number of pieces and add to it without messing up a something that's good or improving something that you already have without. Yeah. And and I think that there's a bias to sometimes hire like yourself, right? Yes. But, but I think, and maybe this is training for hiring managers that would help us kind of overcome, you know, some of these things. And I think that this is where the diversity topic kind of touches in, not just diversity, um, you know, from gender or, you know, orientation or those things, but also diversity in the skill sets too. Right. You know, if you think about how do you actually build effective high-functioning teams and how do you get to the best solution, if everybody's mindset is the same around a certain problem, you're going to probably go down the single path. But if you have a diverse set of thinking, a diverse set of experiences, um, and perspective looking at the same problem, you're going to probably be looking at it through a different level of yes. views. And hopefully what pops out is a better quality of the product of the people that work. Um, and so, um, so I think that that's an aspect to when, when we talk diversity, to be thinking about it in that perspective as well. Right. Um, uh, not just giving opportunity to diverse candidates, but and the outcome could be um, a different perspective of whatever it is that you're trying to deliver. And I think that ties back in its own way to agile teams where, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be a coach for teams that were very diverse in approach. And so it wasn't where they had a bunch of like-minded thought. And that team was very high functioning as opposed to another team that I was coaching where it was the hiring manager basically hired all the same people, wanted them to be the same people, thought they were interchangeable widgets. And you ended up where team, the first team was definitely shipping more often higher quality work. And the second one, yeah, they were getting the work done, but it wasn't where they were hitting the mark in comparison. 
And I think that is something that it's, it's a challenge to try to get a team to think about how you want that diversity and thought versus, you know, we're all the same. It's like, yeah, yeah. if you want to do that, let's go back to the 1800s. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah. you have to, you have to have that diversity, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right on. So um, I'm going to save one save a question that you and I talked about beforehand as the last question. So let's talk about how it is at SAP because we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. And one of the things that we say is that SAP is committed to being one of the most diverse and inclusive software companies in the world. So how do we achieve that? <laughs> Big topic in the- in Right. The <laughs> and I think not just SAP, I think many companies have, um, you know, look at the workforce, look at the statistics that they can get, um, you know, and in, and it's interesting in a global uh, company where, you know, in the US we can, we can option to give more status about us as far as race or some of those other stats, what isn't necessarily available from other countries. So a lot of times some of the real hard data stats that you get is maybe gender. <laughs> and now, sure. and, and and I won't even say if we think of diversity, it's probably black and white. Like that probably really needs to be looked at too, as far as right. um, um, truly being um, you know open. And and so sometimes those metrics get really are really hard, you know, um, to look at um, on that balance um, in the hiring practice. And how do you really? Um, move the needle and so uh, like many companies we do we do look at the stats we look at the data that we can uh, sure. um, we we actually have been doing an exercise now where we really are looking at um, not necessarily diversity stats but even stats about what does it take to high what does it take to deliver a, a highly effective team from a skills perspective Right. Product management roles, PO type roles, you know, uh, dev roles, our user experience, our designers, our writers, you know, how do we deliver all of that? And so there's a lot of talk around what's the goals even around kind of team ratios. And when we look at and when we start to look at that and if we've been on a path, we've been on a path of engineer, 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 and we know engineers coming out of college are predominantly male. Yep. You know, so you could start to see some of those gender stats change. Um, but it kind of goes back even to the diversity topic around different perspectives or different experiences, too. When we think about delivering great product or building effective teams, it is the diversity of skills include that you need in developing great software, like designers. like So team ratios is another one that we talk about. Kind of what's what standards where are we at? Not necessarily that we're going to say we will meet this, but it's more of a north star. We should right. be looking at this. If we're hiring all of the positions that we have open today, will we be moving the needle in the right direction? Not. What should we do differently? And so it's really driving um, uh, conversations at the leadership level, driving awareness at the leadership level to be thinking more strategic around kind of workforce planning. What does that mean? What are the skills that are needed? Um, and DNI type metrics come into play as well. Awesome. So I'm, I want to follow up on that a little bit and say, you know, mm 
our organization, we have a, a people team and we're actually trying to drive things towards being an ally as an example. And, you know, with so many different types of efforts within a given organization, right? We have one within our group. SAP as a whole has things that are company-wide. You know, what do you think is needed or missing that would actually promote diversity and inclusion? Oh gosh, what's missing or needed? You know, there's, I would say there are so many great programs at the corporate level, yep. you know, at a board area level. And then we look at it like within our own team at our, you know, broader organizational level. Right. And um, I would also say that there is so much great classes and trainings and, and programs that an employee, I feel like an employee, if you really wanted to train and you were downtime, you could train and learn a ton of things, full-time job. Completely. The, the wealth of content and avail, uh, that is available um, to me here, uh, more than other companies has been in a super impressive. I think our challenge sometimes is getting more down to the tactics level of synthesizing, you know, all of this ability and taking a look at where we're at and saying, what do we really need to do now or right. here? So we have a lot, a lot of good ideas around what we could do to promote allyship or right. um, uh, we have, um, you know, a program around women and uh, developer women, you know, and, and building, yep. you know, community and skills and talking about challenges and those things. Um, I think being kind of laser focused to trying to really um, see what you need to do within your own organization, which we're trying to do within our people team and not replace other options that there may be had that really be complementary to the needs of that organization is what's key. And, and I think the other part is we have a lot of great ideas, but we just don't have the capacity to do it all because there's so right. much information coming right. at, you know, you're up, you're up, uh, you're trying to, up-level hard technical skills. You're trying to up-level what does it mean to be agile or what does it mean from a cloud mindset? Yep. And then you're trying to up-level these other softer skills, you know, as well. And I think the reality is it's it's more like this constant drum beat yep. in the organization that we just need to kind of stay on top of that beat and, um, make sure that we're balanced and realize that, you know, we probably have gaps, but in the broader scheme of things, um, you know, are we doing what we can that has the best return on investment at this point? And I think See, it's, really yeah, it's so funny because to me, it just speaks to agile values because it's like one, you're trying to do continuous improvement. How do we get better, right? As an individual, as a team, as a group, as a company. And then it's, uh, inspect and adapt, inspect where we're at, figure out where our holes are or where we can improve and adapt our thinking to make that happen. So it's, to me, that's why I keep saying all of this ties back to agile. And so, you know, 
anything that we can do to make things better as an ally, as someone who's leading teams, someone who, who's on a team, you know, if you see an issue, say, say something about it. Don't just sit there and let it happen. Right. Exactly. So, and I yeah. think, and I think it's, you know, everybody comes into this journey at a different perspective. Completely. I have a long history in this journey. Right? right. So if I go back in my own journey and saying, I'm coming in, in technology as a woman, right. You know, in my day of just being early in career, it was less than 10% women. Right. I was most often the only woman in a technical role on, on a team, or um, I served on a board for about 10 years, um, advisory board at a university in, in uh, California, looking at their engineering programs and, you know, getting from less than 10% to 10% to more than 10% of women, even going through college and studying some of these skills was improvement. So when I look at our numbers of 25, 30% now of women, I see this journey that's like, wow, there's been progress. Sure. But it doesn't mean as it, it can't be better, right? But yeah. somebody new five years in, just coming up early in career are still experiencing only 20% of women in the workforce. Right. Better. So it's like, I think you, you, you know, it's, it's easy to be in the moment. Um, right. Maybe, maybe having longer of that journey, it's a little bit easier for me to step back and say, boy, you know, yep, we still have a long way to go. Right. But over the last, you know, 35 years, I could see a lot of progress that, that's been made. Um, and then, you know, different things that happen in the world highlight different, different things that you need to tune on. And so I do really, I do really uh, believe it is the continuous improvement journey. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, what can we do now and that get, provides both best value and creates a foundation that's sustainable to build on in the future? Completely. I mean, I, I tend to view it as the campsite analogy where it's like leave the campground in a better place than you found it. So it's the how do you how do you improve a team to make it better for the next person who comes in? How do you make it better for, you know, three people down the line if you can? Right. And if we're doing that then at least, you know, to your point, if 10 years from now you look back and you go, hey, we made a lot of progress. The person who's just starting on their journey is going to go, you haven't, what are you talking about? It's like, okay. What's wrong here? Yeah, <laughs> right. what's wrong here? Right. You know, nobody did anything. Yeah. That's <laughs> sure. Says the person who walks in and goes, I don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Last big question. So I want to tie this back to your journey, which we had in the last iteration. And if some companies are, are holding back on promotions because people aren't assertive enough or uh, are, aren't more like the norms, how do you achieve success without losing who you are as a person? So it's more of a, look, how do I, because you don't want me to play along to get along, but how do you want, how do you try to get success and try to fit in or do you try to fit in? It's, it's kind of a, it's a tough question, I think. It is a tough question. Um, I think the first part of the question, which you said was, is, is the company holding back on 
promotions because of assertiveness. That that yeah. was that little piece is is hard. But if I think about you know culture or identity, and if you feel like you have to get ahead, be more assertive or less assertive to, to show up in a way that helps you get ahead. I don't know. I I would say, and I feel like companies here, I feel at SAP, we talk a lot about it, about how to show up being your authentic self. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess my thing would be always show up to be your authentic self. I think you can learn skills of awareness about when you may need to tune up or tune down a little bit. I think maybe I talked about early in my career, people perceive me as aggressive. I talked a lot with my hands. Sure. You know, and actually just learning to keep my hands in my lap. And <laughs> I didn't change what I said. Right. You know? And it wasn't, it wasn't changing my point of view, really. But I had more awareness of the perception of of how other people reacted. So, you know, modifying and having awareness of that overall, I think. And I don't think that that is losing yourself at all. Yeah. Um, I think if, you know, you, you need to hold on to the core value of who you are um, and what your values are and present yourself in that, in that way. But like everything, I think every positive can be a negative in some sense. And it's more about when you dial up or you dial down, maybe some of those things. Um, and does that help you kind of achieve in the job? I, you know, I, I was thinking about even like the resume question. The other part of that makes me think about how important um, your network is of people. Yes. Right. Very much. And 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 allyship and those types of things kind of come into play there. Um, and. And it's a, it's a community and it's a social and it's a having people that can really sponsor you, you know, not just mentor you, but who's a sponsor, sponsor of you. Um, and that is helpful, I think, in keeping and retaining, being able to retain who you are and, and building that network of people that can help support you into that next level. So for someone who doesn't, who doesn't get the difference between mentoring and sponsoring walk me through what that would be yeah so to me a mentoring would be you're my mentor i'm coming to you i'm telling you the kinds of things that doing or the interactions i'm doing you're giving me coaching on positioning those types of things this is what i would do kathleen to go off and get that job sponsoring you're saying oh kathleen you're going off and getting that job who in my network do I know that might help you? And I'm going to drop that person an email to talk about and, and talk about you in the skills that you bring. It's another person's perspective and sponsoring. And um, that uh, uh, personally for me, that has been my biggest change of careers has been somebody that I had worked for that had been a mentor and, and I uh, has continued to be a sponsor. That's awesome. Uh, and it's really a, uh, you know, we have coffee once every six months and, and um, you know, if I'm thinking about certain things, it's like, oh, you know, I know so-and-so, let me, let me have, let me have coffee. It's actually how I ended up at this company. There wasn't a job posted. 
was a setup of a meeting to have coffee that turned into a role. So crazy how that works, right? I mean, it's, it it's right. And it's so funny because you, when you're going through this, I'm like, oh yeah, the reason why I got here is because of this. And the reason why I got here because of that. It's, you know. And it's listen, hard for, yeah. it's hard for Anya much more people. I say this and a lot of people say, I don't see that in you at all, but I'm actually fairly shy around it in situations. And it's like, sometimes it still is hard to pick up the phone. Or right. to, you know, to make sure that you're making that connection. So I think if your personality to, tends to be more introverted or kind of a introverted extrovert, well, might be this phrase for me now. Is, Exoverts. You know, that, that, that's what we call them. Exoverts. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's hard. It's hard to do that. But if you're thinking about your career and the development of that and how do you retain kind of who you are thinking about. You know, how do you gender neutralize your resume to position yourself or any of those other things? I would still lean on, you know, there's some, the, even if it is an algorithm, you might end up with hundreds you're competing with, you know, your network and building a network and those relationships um, are going to be the biggest help and boost in, in helping you advance in your career. Yeah, well, it's a good plug for the introvert and extrovert episodes we've got in our library that awesome. you can find on the website and you can find internally on our SAP video channel. See, I got to plug, I got to plug it all at once. It's all good. Got it. Right on. <laughs> so Kathleen, is there anything else you think we should discuss on this topic while we're here? Or are you good? N nothing top of mind on mine. Yeah. <laughs> Well then, fantastic. Kathleen, I want to thank you again for the time because I know as, as a senior VP, you got time that's like very minimal. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all of our time together. Uh, so until the next iteration, I'm Brent. I'm Kathleen. Until the next iteration, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com or you can find us on Twitter at FasterStandUp. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.